Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for, and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I, of course, cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners, and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions, because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. Good morning. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed, joined this morning by none other than Mike McNamara, my dad, founder of the show, my mentor, my business partner, all sorts of things. I'm getting emotional here. Oh, we haven't done a show together in a while. No, it's just fun. Yeah, it's fun. Uh, we're, we're talking about risk today. What risks are you willing to take? Spent a lot of time on... Uh, spent a lot of time on investment risk. So let's move on and do some uh, and cover some other types of risks. Sound good? Yeah. All right, let's talk about inflation risk. So this one's kind of newsworthy lately because we have, we, we are starting to see some pretty serious inflation in our world. Uh, inflation is up five, over 5% in the last 12 months, mostly most of that year to date. Um, whereas, you know, 5.4, I just five, okay. Yep. Whereas very long, like very long term average inflation is like what, two and a half to 3%, probably over a hundred years. <laughs> yep. Right. Yep. And then in the, but in the last decade, less than 2% per year. So we've been kind of spoiled by really low inflation mm -hmm. in the last uh, decade coming out of the credit crisis. Um, but now, you know, all these, you know, different reasons, you know, supply chain issues and employment issues and all these reasons why we're, why we're seeing uh, some, some pretty high inflation right now in, in, in my discussions with people and clients. People noticing it, obviously noticing it in the world of uh, real estate and, and rentals and automobiles, but at the grocery store as well. So, so very noticeable. So, so <clears throat> when we talk about uh, inflation risk. I'm really talking about, um, uh, well, well, the, the risk of inflation is that your money spends like less year over year. It spent, it'll spend like less next year than it spends like today. Money's only as good as what you can buy with it. Right. So, so when we have, for example, 5% inflation in a year, that means like if you have a hundred thousand dollars, in the bank, it's going to spend like $95,000 next year if we have 5% inflation in that period of time. And then the year after, it's going to spend like $91,000, excuse me. <clears throat> so, so inflation eats away at what we call the purchasing power of your money, right? So your money buys less and less over time. Um, so, so that's the risk. And, um, so I guess there's not really much to talk about in terms of the risk. You we just, get, we get right into it. I know. 
was going to say, like in the investment section, we had all these things to yeah, talk yeah. about. Well, I, 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 I did just a little quick like, math. Wait, well, it's done. Well, okay, a little, little quick math. Yeah. Okay, if you want a guaranteed no-risk investment, you can buy a 10-year United States Treasury today for 1.43%. Wow. Oh, ten, oh, and lock yeah. your money up for 10 years. Yeah, so, so by yeah. the way, to use your, I, I did $10,000. So let's see. I'll take my $10,000. I'll I'll get 143 bucks for it. Uh-huh. And by the way, if we have 5.4% inflation, my $10,000 will spend like 9600 a year from now. So let's see. I, I went, ba- I went so backwards. backwards. I went yeah. backwards $540 on what my money could buy, and I earned 143 that, mm. That's no way to get wealthy or have fun uh, from, from right. my point of view. Yep. Right, yep. right. So inflation takes away the value of your money. Yeah. So, so getting right into how to mitigate that, you, if you can grow your money to at least equal inflation, then then that that's how you mitigate that risk. Well, you're, if, in the, if, you're in the same place, not a better place. If but you, yeah. <laughs> right. You can you can eliminate the risk if you can have your money earn inflation, equal, equal. equal inflation. Yeah. You're ahead of the game if your money can beat inflation. In other words, right. trying to get wealthier, basically, which is every what everybody's doing. Right. Yeah. So 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 invest in, in invest in you know it could be different things. Traditional securities and you know investments, mutual funds, and traditional uh, investment securities, but really estate you know people are seeing growth in real estate right now but if you can grow your asset to to beat inflation then you have mit- eliminated or and, mitigated that risk and you got wealthier and you got wealthier if you can beat inflation yeah, so so how do you do that you own yeah. you own in stocks stock e- investments easy peasy yeah. a little while ago I, I said to you that during my lifetime the, the standard and poor's 500 has earned 11.5 percent per year courtesy of the s p 500 mm-hmm. i'm at your fingertips mm-hmm. well inflation was 3.38 percent during my lifetime and the S&P 500 beat inflation by 7.85% mm. per year. You Real got gross. wealthier yeah. every year, folks. Okay, so stocks for the long run have been inflation hedges. And, yeah. and end of story. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I've been having some discussions this year, really, last 12 months, really, with with people about the inflation that we're seeing. Yeah. Um, and, and, and talking about that, as it directly relates to how they're invested and what, and when we've been, I've been getting into more discussions the last year or so regarding real growth than like when we, you know, when we report returns, for example, or when you look at your investment and you see growth, you're seeing, um, you know, a rate of return is is just the overall growth. How much did my portfolio grow by? You know, let's say it was up 10% year to date, for example. Real, that's growth, right? Or, or rate of return. What I would call real growth is, well, what was the difference between your return and inflation? Real that's return. That's your real, yes, real return. I guess I call it real growth. So if your portfolio, for example, is up 10% year to date, which it certainly could be, even a balanced strategy could be up 10%, you know, year to date. This this has been a good year. But inflation has been 5.3% year to date, right? So your real growth or your real return is a little bit less than 5%. So meaning you beat inflation, you, you, you mitigated that inflation risk and you had real growth of 5%. I've been having more conversations with clients the last 12 months about real growth good. because yeah. we haven't, Re, like with inflation being so low in the last decade coming out of the, the financial crisis, um, you know, inflation was a percent and a half to 2.2%, right? In a, in a lot of those years and, 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 and returns were good, right? Even conservative portfolios returns were, you know, four or five, six percent And, you know, we, we didn't really have to get into real yeah. if growth you, because if you only inflation have to subtract so 1%, low. it's not a big deal, right? Right. Yeah. right. But, but now <laughs> we're, I'm having conversations about, okay, um, if, if we're invested conservatively, for example, and our, you know, con- conservatively tilting balanced portfolio long-term expectations for overall growth is between four percent and six percent per year not guaranteed right so over full market cycles we think a conservatively tilting portfolio could return between four and six percent when inflation is two percent no big no big thing no big no big deal right you still have real growth of two to four four percent um so you're beating inflation but if conservative portfolios can earn four to six percent, and inflation is 
three to five percent, then what's your real growth, yeah. right? Yep. It is there is there going to be real growth over inflation for conservative investment strategies in the coming years? Um, we we don't know that, but that's yeah. just a question, and it's something to talk yeah. about right now. Yep, it sure is. Um, conservative portfolios. You know, uh, if they're again, if they're up, you know, four or five, six, seven percent this year to date, but inflation's five percent. What's your real growth? Yeah. Um, and and we're you know, I'm just having a lot of conversations about that now because that's a risk. Yeah. Pe yeah. yeah people uh, to, to to put it the big picture. So, regardless of where you are in life, if you're not yet retired, if you already have all the money you ever need to retire, then you just have to eat, be even with inflation. Yeah. Well, that. That ain't a lot of people listening right, to this right, show. Right, right. If you if you need to grow your money, okay, to bigger than what it really is, you have to outpoint inflation. By the way, we can get to taxes a little bit later on as well, but you have to be better than inflation to get wealthier. So mm -hmm. you you have to grow your money above inflation if you want to become wealthier. Right. Okay. That 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 and there's a risk if you don't. Right. Okay. Which is what we're talking about. Right. Here. Yep. Right. 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 Um, I wanted to. So in each of these sections of risk. I wanted to talk about reward. And this one's a little, this, it, it, this is a harder concept to grasp, I think, than with, an, with investments. Risk reward is easy to understand, right? I'm gonna take a risk. It might be down in value at a certain time, but my reward is growth over time. With inflation risk, I was trying to like think about, well, what's the reward if you take the risk? You're not poor. Um, well, I was thinking about it in terms of, if you take, if you're assuming inflation risk, like let's say you just, uh, people that have a lot of cash in the bank, yep. for example, or all their money cash in the bank, we don't have clients like that because they're not clients for people that have <laughs> cash in the bank. But for but there are people out there who, who aren't comfortable with investing yep. and have all their money or most of their money in the bank. Yep. So those people are not taking investment risk yep they're taking inflation risk. They're yep. assuming that risk. Yep. So if you think about it that way, well, what's their reward? And the only thing I could think of is- There is no there, reward. Well, there is no financial <laughs> reward. Yep. Uh, and unless interest rates were beating inflation, which they usually don't, <laughs> which they're certainly not right now. Yeah. But, um, their reward is that they didn't have to take investment risk. So so they're maybe emotionally rewarded because they don't have to ever see a downturn in value with yeah. cash in the bank. So for them, that could be a reward. Yeah. You and I know it's not a financial Well, reward. by the way, if, if they get into retirement and are having a difficult time keeping up with their expenses, then they're gonna rethink that comfort level. You know, they, so yeah, while you don't have to draw on your funds, maybe you feel comfortable, but you know, the point is if, if you can let your money shrink at four or 5% a year and still live happily ever after in retirement, go for it. Yeah. But there, there's just not a lot of people. Yeah, 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 so, yeah. so yeah. There, there is, the reward might be peace of mind, mm -hmm. but it's probably later on in life gonna be Hmm, maybe I didn't do this the right way because right. I'm not living the life I plan because my money doesn't buy me much. That's all. This comes back to one of your very first points you made earlier in the show about people um, are comfortable with risk when they understand it. Yeah. So there, there are people out there that just have all their money in the bank because, well, number one, they might not understand the world of investing. They yeah. may not be educated, and so they're not yeah. comfortable with investment risk because they don't understand it. Yep. Um, but they also probably don't understand the risk that they're taking in the bank either. Yep. They're not understanding. It's because it's guaranteed. Right, they're not understanding, well, I do have to pay some taxes in a world when we have earnings on cash in the bank, which is yep. not right now, but yep. generally they have to pay some taxes on yep. yield or their interest in the bank. Yep. And they're not understanding maybe, or they're not thinking about um, the loss of purchasing power. Yep. And, that, and what is inflation really taking away? Of course, they haven't had to think really hard about that in a long yeah. time. But right now yeah. we have inflation in our world that's pretty serious and we don't know yet how long lasting it will be. Yeah. Um, and for all of our sakes, I hope not too long lasting. Yeah, th this may be a discomforting thought for some folks, but I I've been known to say that when you hear the word guarantee, you should, be getting, you should get nervous <laughs> when it comes to investment. Yes, please. Because, because <laughs> a guaranteed investment, you risk inflation and taxes in a guaranteed invest. I mean, you're you're you're, you're, yeah. you're protecting yourself against market volatility, but the risks that you bear 
our inflation and taxes. And by the way, both of those are guaranteed. Yeah. Sort of a thing. So yeah, it's that may sound very scary to some folks out there. But if you take a look at the return that you're promised from a guaranteed investment and take away taxes and inflation, I'll bet you get nothing. Yeah. Okay. And, Unless, and that ought to be scary. Yeah. yeah. And then we could have a whole... How much but, time do we have? But, do we have enough time to talk about annuities yeah. and all the rest there? No. We can do a second uh, show. We'll do another show. Yeah. I, lo- I yeah. love... Oh, I'm going to revisit my... One of my favorite shows I ever did was... Um, uh, annuities, evil brilliance. <laughs> and that was one of my favorite shows. And I'm going to do that one again because Ooh. I just, yeah, I, again, I need two hours for that. So yep. stay tuned. I'll, I'll revisit that one. That That's a great, that's yeah. a great show to talk about. And some of these concepts will come up. Yeah. Yeah. But folks, but um, just the, the, the big picture is yeah. you have default of stocks, market volatility, inflation taxes. Those are, those are the big, big four. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, for risks. Uh, if if but they're on two sides of the field. You have the volatility and the potential default on one side, and you have the uh, inflation and taxes on the other side. Mm-hmm. And which two do you want to worry about mm-hmm. the most? And yeah, that, that determines your investment strategy. I, I prefer to worry about the guaranteed ones. You know, yeah. the, the stock market's not guaranteed to go to zero. Okay, uh, and, and the the five hundred companies and the Standard Poor's five hundred aren't guaranteed to go out of business tomorrow afternoon. Okay. But I'm pretty sure we're going to have guaranteed inflation, and I'm pretty sure we're going to have guaranteed taxes. So which of those do you want to worry about the most, and how do you want to think about yeah. it? Well, that's yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. You, you were, when we were uh, went tossing around the idea of this show, what risks are you willing to take? You, you, you mentioned taxes, and I didn't yeah. have that on my outline because I yeah. couldn't really grasp... I love to talk about taxes. By the way, but I ne- neither can anybody else. I couldn't, <laughs> right, but I like I couldn't grasp like the risk reward of taxes. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yep, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's just a a thing in our it's, world. It's a it's risk not, without. Well, the, 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 the reward is maybe you get to drive on a nice street or they fix the yeah, pothole. Yeah, I okay. guess you're right. Yeah. Or we and we have okay. police and fire. Yeah, yeah exactly, and, exactly. Yeah. But but in terms of the risk, like it's just a thing, right? Taxes are just in our life for those of us that pay taxes. A, a, risk, right? thing, a risk thing. But, but I guess there is a bit of a risk of taxes increasing in the future. Do you think? I mean, the <laughs> trillions of dollars yep. that pour, the government poured into uh, our pockets, you know, yep. th- this year and last year, um, certainly points to like, likely taxes are going to have to go up in the future, whether yeah. people like to admit that or not. Yep. Um, but that's a risk. Yep. And actually, I didn't have that on the yep. outline, but. The reward is go- um, government goods I know, and like, the, the good reward? stuff. <laughs> the good stuff that governments do. That, that, that's that's yeah, the reward. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. right, right. Okay. Um, Glad I could help it, there. It, you know what? And, but you're right. Like it's social security, yeah. or it, yeah. and you know uh, unemployment. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's, uh, uh, yeah. it's you know the police and yeah. fire protection and stuff like that. Absolutely. But you know it, it, how to mitigate that risk? If taxes go up in the future, how do you mitigate that risk? Pump money into a Roth IRA if you yeah. can. Or, Get money into yeah. a Roth. Pay your taxes now. Get tax-free yeah. income later. Yeah, your goal is to make more than taxes and inflation take away from you. That's how you get wealthy, folks. Yeah. If you're already wealthy enough, then no sweat. Just keep up with inflation and taxes. But if you're not, and there's a whole lot of people listening here, you have to make more than they take away from you. But we, we don't do the math very often and think yeah. about that, you know? That's yeah. All. Well, I hope people are doing the math these days. Yeah, guaranteed equals nervous, folks. 5.3%. Guaranteed equals risk. Just remember I said that. All right, I want to cover one more risk before we have to take a break because there's a big section that I want to get into in our last 30 minutes of the show. Okay. Um, I want to talk about interest rate risk, and I think we can cover this in six minutes, five minutes. Piece of cake. What do you think? Interest rate risk. Um, Again, we haven't had... The, this hasn't really been an issue in like 10, 11 years, 12 years, right? right? Since, yep. since interest rates dropped to almost zero over a decade ago or in the middle of the financial crisis and haven't really gone anywhere since then. Uh, and, and so interest rate risk hasn't, it hasn't really been something that people have had to deal with in the last uh, decade. Um, Actually, for probably the last 40 years, never mind the last decade. Interest rates it, have Since the down. 80s, really. Yeah, since, 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 since 1980, actually. Yeah. Since yeah, that's exactly correct. Yeah. This has been off the radar for 40 years for yeah. anybody who's actually investing now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I think still a risk for people, though, like people that take out adjustable rate mortgages, right, where where it's a low interest rate, but, they, you know, they won seven ten, years. They won 10 years ago. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. Will they win now? 
though. Yeah. I mean, it, it, probably not. <laughs> but I think it's still somewhat of a risk that yeah. people should at least be aware of. Yeah. Like, if you're getting a, you know, adjustable rate mortgages or very yeah. low interest rates, but but then where are interest rates going to be in seven to ten years when they reset? Yeah. Right, likely higher than they are now. Mm-hmm. Really can't go lower. Yeah. So and and you know, similar conversation with home equity lines of credit. Right, people been, you know, again spoiled for a long time with low interest rates on HELOCs and you know able to to borrow money that used to be pretty tax efficient, not as tax efficient now under the new tax code, but, um, you know, hasn't been much of a risk, but, but just at least something that people should be aware of that, you know, carrying large balances on, on types of debt that could go higher. The interest rate could go higher. So let's get to it to explain it here. You want to. Oh, was I not doing a good job? Well, 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 how it, how it works, how it works. Right. If, oh. if rates, I was talking about, well, the interest rate risk is bond values, basically, right? I mean, amongst other things. Yeah, I yeah. guess I was talking in terms of carrying. Yeah. I was thinking about it in terms of carrying debt. Yeah, but how about in terms We're, of investing? Yeah, we, fair we, enough. We, I didn't, yeah. We have interest rate risk yeah. with regard to investing. Yeah, fair enough. And I can, bond values. I need, three, go, go. I, need, I need three minutes. Go, I'll start the timer. Go. All right. Let's pretend that uh, 10-year Treasury bonds are paying 3%. I'm making this up. Yeah. Okay. And right now, because the they're not the right now, the world would scream for a three <laughs> percent right. guaranteed return. So you make that investment with ten thousand bucks. Mm-hmm. Okay. Next month, I'm making this up, folks. The brand new Treasury ten-year bonds are making to pay off the old ones are, are paying six percent. That's never happened before, but just pretend. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and you got another ten thousand, and you're looking at the six percent, and then saying that's great. So so you, now you've made two investments. You you bought a three percent or a month ago, and you bought a six percent there yesterday. Mm-hmm. So if you bought the six percent or yesterday, you're looking at the three percent are saying I, I blew it, or what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. Okay, most people was with bonds. You have a choice. You can sit there and say, well, I got a three, I got a six. I'm averaging four and a half. I'm good. Mm-hmm. Or you could say, wait a minute. I'm going to sell my three and buy a six. And you can do that. Mm-hmm. Okay, but folks, if you if you own a 3% bond and you're running around in a world of sixes trying to sell it, I have a newsflash for you. Who, who would buy your 3%er for full price? And the answer is nobody. Yeah. In that extreme example, that 3% is worth half of what you paid for it a month ago. Now, that's extreme and it's never happened, but it does illustrate the risk that you have if you own debt, not mm-hmm. not borrowed debt sort of a thing. And, mm-hmm. bond, and bondholders are probably going to see that going forward. So yeah. we're not used to having our bonds shrink in value, but that's probably going to be the case. Yeah. You know, you know, and that's yeah. that's a, a big risk going forward for bond investors. Is there a mitigation for that? Not much, to be honest. Yeah, not really, because yeah. yeah. for the people that need bonds in their portfolio yeah. for that, yeah. for to mitigate their investment yeah. risk yeah. in the yeah. stock market, yeah. they still need those bonds yeah. in their portfolio. Even though they're paying nothing, Yeah, basically. even yeah. though they might be kind of boring yeah, that's slash kind of, that's slightly kind of, negative. That's kind yeah. of scary to think out the next few years about that. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. yeah maybe there isn't really a mitigation no, I, I, tool I, I, for that there, one. There, I didn't, there isn't. Yeah. I mean, the, the big yeah. picture is that if interest rates are falling, people who own bonds get to collect their interest and they even seem maybe grow in value in terms mm-hmm. of their resale value, but it goes the other way now. And we're probably looking at 10 or 15 or 20 years yeah. of that going forward. So yeah. scary thing. Yeah. So interest rate risk is one of those that people don't yeah. really if, think if, about. If you want to borrow it, your money, it's not a bad thing. If you want to, if you're going to own, own the debt and, you know, buy bonds, it's, I'm sorry, if you're going to borrow money, it's a good thing. If you're going to be buying the debt, it's a bad thing. Right. Depends yeah. On which side of the I, table right. I was thinking about it in terms of carrying large yeah. debts. Yeah. At, at what are right now very yep. low interest rates. Yep. And if you're in some sort of a variable interest rate uh, product, a home equity line, an adjustable rate mortgage, then then there is risk. Yep. And if you're carrying a large balance, risk yeah. of that interest going higher. It, it and sure is. Are you able to, if you're not making a lot of headway paying down debt at a low interest rate, yep. how much headway are you going to make paying it down at a higher interest yep. rate? How And yep. how long yep. are you going to have to carry yep. that debt? Yep. If you can't pay it down at 2%, right? And it goes to 4 or 6%. Not pretty. Yeah, not pretty. Um, But like I said, that hasn't really been a risk that people have had to deal with lately. People have been carrying huge, you know, home equity line balances for a long time. Hey, look at our government. We've been borrowing money for free. (laughs) Okay, look at our government. Don't model your personal finances after the government. (laughs) Don't do it. (laughs) Please, please don't do it. Okay, because we can't print money. I know, right, right. (laughs) All right, we got to take a break. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed, joined by my father, uh, Michael McNamara. We're talking about what risks are you willing to take 
we've got one more good section coming up after the break. It's, it's a good one. It's a serious risk. Uh, and I'm going to uh, keep you on the edge of your seat there. You're going to have to wait until after the break to find out what it is. So we're just taking a break. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Alyssa Reed with McNamara Financial in Marshfield. Your investment strategy should largely be determined by the amount of time you have before needing the money. If you are aggressively invested, time is your friend when it comes to your portfolio recovering from this scary stock market. If you need your invested money soon, it should have been conservative to begin with. If you're not sure how your money is invested, I'd be happy to offer my opinion. 781-834-2010. And we're back. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. Joined this morning by my uh, father, Michael McNamara, founder of McNamara on Money back in 1992. Uh, what? The Night, show? The show. Yeah, 1990. 1990. Yeah. Four, f- sorry, 31 years. Wow. Go. That's exactly what you say on your intro. Well, <laughs> Go figure. I, uh, I yeah, lean in, and you're not lean into the microphone. I don't yeah. think we can hear you. Okay, testing one, two. Wait, three. Am I okay? Tim, can you hear my dad? I feel like I can't hear you in your in my headphones. Okay. Can you hear my dad when he's talking? Oh, I think your mic wasn't on. Ah, well. Oh, there you are, Dad. There are some Sorry, things. I turned it off when he left. There, uh, there are okay. some things I can't control. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, you haven't done the show in no, a while. a couple, couple of years. Yeah. Well, you know, I've been heading up to Lowell to help Justin with the show up there, sort of a thing. Yeah, so yeah. we have, right now, we have airtime yeah. on 980 let, AM yeah. in Lowell. Yeah, so let's see. This is a, a mile and a half commute. The one to Lowell is 55 miles. Let yeah. me think about hmm. that. But that's hmm. okay. It's so worth we'll driving. we'll be seeing more of you. If hmm. you folks in Lowell, we love you. It's <laughs> worth driving. Okay. All right. What risks are you willing to take? Topic of today's show. I think this has been a fun one. Um, I want. We've got about twenty six minutes to close it out, and this. And I think this is a good one. And I'm going to approach this one from two angles. But a pretty significant risk here, I guess. This part of the discussion really geared toward older people, uh, but the risk. Or, or maybe this risk is just more real as you get older. Um, the risk of living a long life. Mm-hmm. The financial risk of living a long life. Risks, I should say plural. Okay. And I have this broken into part A and part B. So the risk of living a long life part A is the potential costs associated with that in terms of needing help in day-to-day life or getting around the house, et cetera, caring for yourself, et cetera. Part B. B, the risk of living a long life is that your assets need to last longer and sustain you for a longer period of time. Mm. So, so withdrawal time horizon gets longer and that's a financial risk as well. Um, okay, so the risk of living a long life part A gets into, you know, potentially the expenses that someone could see in their life related to just needing help and, and whether they're they're at home or somewhere else needing help, there's still a potentially significant cost associated with that. And this is pretty common. Can't mow the lawn anymore. And gotta hire some help. Okay. Stuff like First that. Stuff like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Stuff like that. But yeah. but uh, but I think the more significant costs, uh, you know, associated with what we call custodial care, right? Like having to hire you know, an aide to come in and um, make sure you're getting around the house and cooking your meal and, you know, and bathing and things like that. So I I added some numbers to this. First of all, nobody wants to talk about this. Don't turn the dial, please. It's important though. Um, I pulled some numbers and I think it's helpful to talk about this related to not just the cost, but the impact to the portfolio. Ready? Okay. Average cost... For in the in the uh, this was like in Cape, the Cape Cod area, so south of Bostonish area, average cost for an in-home aid part-time, like during daytime hours, is six thousand dollars per month, or seven thousand dollars per year, seventy-two thousand dollars per year. How, how many hours does that assume? That's like eight hours a day. Eight hours a day. Yeah. Okay. It's like this is like a lot yeah, of, but it. it but it's not nursing like, care. It's and not eight hours a day is not full time. They're twenty-four hours in the day. Right. Right. Yeah. right. Okay. So this is like daytime hours, um, 
an aide, someone just to help with, you know, cooking, cleaning, getting you around the house, stuff like that. It's not nursing care. Right. It's, yeah. it's just, it's other types of assistance. And, and that, that division is very clear when it comes to who pays for it, folks, by the way. You Correct. See that. Yeah. Correct. Okay. So this is like at home type, just a little no, bit of help here non, and there. Non-medical. 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 $6,000 per month on average. There you go. $72,000 per year. So if you have a million dollars, which to most people sounds like a lot of money. Yep. You, first of all, you're probably already drawing from that chunk of money f- either because you're required to in distributions or because you need money from your portfolio to live your life. If you have another $6,000 per month of expenses it, because, of, again, this risk of living a long life and just needing help, that's an extra 7, per- 7 to 10% with, of a million dollars. Yeah, withdrawals. Withdrawals yeah. of a million dollars. Yeah. So again, we could have a whole show on rates of withdrawal, which rate of withdrawal is comfortable for you. But like if you have a million dollars, again, that sounds like a lot, but you might already be drawing 30 or 40 or $50,000 from it or more. Maybe you're taking 3% and now you got to go to nine. Right. Maybe you're paying 5% and you got to right. go. Yeah, And exactly. if it's retirement money and if you need 70,000 a year, well, you got to take out 100,000, which is 10 to pay some taxes to that's get your right. 70. So that's an extra 10% draw on a million dollar portfolio. So the numbers get big pretty quickly, even for this part-time aid type of care. If you have $2 million, then you're then it's still an extra draw of like three and a half to five percent yep. on top of you might already be taking three yep. and a half to five percent. Yep. So the numbers grow pretty quickly. Yeah. And, and, and it's a and stress of, to yeah, the portfolio. The taxes, yeah. the risk of taxes. Right, folks, in order to get seventy two, yeah. you probably have to take out a hundred. Right. Okay, or whatever the numbers are. So so again, those risks start to compound, and at the end, they can be really costly given the circumstances. But yeah, again, folks, remember, if it, if it was medical-related, then it's probably covered by your health insurance and, and Medicare, hopefully yeah. most of the time. But but this is like not mm-hmm. medical stuff. Right. I mean, you know, you're, you're arthritic, and you're limping around the house, so yeah. you can't do this or that or the other thing. Yep. Okay. And I'm going to go one step further, and I'm going to talk about average cost in a nursing home. Yep. Because and nobody wants to talk about this, no. but you know what? But, 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 you know, dementia and Alzheimer's, you know, unfortunately, fairly common. And, and sometimes a nursing home is the best and safest place, for example, for, yeah. for someone with a cognitive impairment like that. Um, an average nursing home stay is about thirteen dollars to $14,000 a month in this area. That's $160,000 per year. Yep. So if you have a million dollars, again, sounds like a lot. That's an extra 16 to 22% draw in one year. Yeah. Huge yeah. strain to the portfolio. Even if you have $2 million, that's another 8 to 11% draw in one year on top of what you're prob- probably already taking. So it's a huge risk to the portfolio. Yeah, and the sad part about this is that there's there's nobody listening to us who doesn't want to do that and stay at home right but at some point home care could be more expensive right. it is more expensive absolutely and, and we have a couple of clients yep. we know who are spending more yeah 24 hours twenty thousand yeah, or the, the, more the, per month yeah yep. the, the, then basically a nursing home so yeah. know, everybody what what you want to do folks and what you have to do though those might be two different things well right. i'm just gonna go out you know when you know, you know whatever no no it's when it comes to that it, 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 that's how it is. You, yeah. you can't you, you can't choose not to do something like yeah. that. It's sad. Yeah. It's sad. So it's a risk. A so it's a risk. So how to mitigate the risk? I want to talk about the reward for taking the risk, and then how to mitigate the risk. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go to mitigation first. How do you mitigate this risk? Really, in my opinion, there's two ways. You buy insurance. There is long-term care insurance that would cover some of these risks, or you, 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 you. you I don't know how to say this properly. If you have, if you're very wealthy, and if you have accumulated a very sizable net worth then you can handle the risk in that regard. You can mitigate the risk in that regard. If you Self, have five million, if you're worth five or $10 million, yeah. y- you you can handle that risk. You can afford to take on that risk yeah. likely. Um, so either you have a lot of money, so you can handle the risk, you can absorb it, or you buy insurance. And I don't know that there's, I don't think there's a better way to mitigate that risk. Uh, and the, and yeah. the, the other way is you don't have any assets in the state 
steps in and cares for uh, you, but that's un- not Unfortunately, a, there's yeah. not a large percentage of folks listening to us who can afford that insurance. It's yeah. just kind of where, where, where in the world. Uh, yeah. it's, that's a whole other pretty depressing <clears throat> issue. So yeah, that the solution is, yeah, you buy the long-term care insurance, but depending on, you know, with the stories, it's five, six, seven thousand dollars a person yeah. these days sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So so there's there's not a large percentage of folks listening to us who can mitigate that risk. There is no reward for that. I mean, there's a there's maybe a legal strategy that maybe it can protect your home, but there's like, there's no, there's no, yeah. uh, well, there's no easy solution. And for most folks, it's unattainable, yeah. which is sad, but true. When I was thinking about the reward, I was thinking about, well, if you're going to take that risk, right? If you're just going to assume the risk, yeah. like I'm I'm not going to deal with it. I'm just going to take the risk. Yeah. I guess the reward is that you're not paying for the insurance. Okay. So okay. I, that's the only thing I could come up with in yeah. terms of reward for that risk, yeah. right? By you're, the way, you're not, some family members may be paying for that right. choice that you made. Right. Yep. Absolutely. In terms of not being able to work or, yep. right, right. Yep. Yeah. I know that's a depressing one. Okay, let's move on. Uh, well. <laughs> what else on that? Uh, well, uh, um, you know, yeah, it is depressing, but just a little bit more time. So, so, so we have... Uh, you know, we have a number of folks we work with and they can't afford the insurance. That's just, that's how it is. Absolutely. So there is like one legal strategy maybe that can protect your home. We're not going to get into the details, but okay. Uh, yeah. So, so maybe you do something like that, but that's not necessarily a good thing either because sometimes you can solve one problem and create another. I mm-hmm. mean, if you, uh, we see both, this is, it is depressing, but we need to talk about it a little bit more from my point of view. If you if you have put your home in an irrevocable trust, and if that actually works, which I think I think it does, whatever, okay. Uh, if if that does, well, you better be sure that you don't need any equity in your home because you can't put a reverse mortgage on a home that's in an irrevocable trust. So, so we we have. We have seen both sides of this. We have seen people who put that home in, saved it, and lived happily ever after. We have seen put that home in and say, I need money now. There's no more money in my retirement plan, but I can't get a mortgage on my home sort of a thing. So so there, there are some maybe solutions, but if you're looking at the legal strategy, it's like one of those things that if you do it, you can't change it, and yeah. you just have to cover all sides of that before you make a decision like, like that. An so, imperfect yeah, mitigation yeah, tool. So, so, so it does work <clears throat> sometimes, but it could not work for you and you just have to do the homework and you're right. It, it, there's, you know, until the government pays for everybody that's in a nursing home, uh, that, which is never going to happen, uh, it's a risk that a vast majority of us are going to have to bear, and and even the home value is, is you know may, may not yeah. cover the cost, sort of a thing. The so. in, the insurance though, it, like it's sad. I, it I really is. you know there there are some big numbers in terms of what the premiums would be to carry the insurance, mm-hmm. but people should know that there are a lot of choices and a lot of options in that world. Yep, there are ways to purchase that insurance, long-term care insurance at a lower cost by carrying like a smaller policy yep. and, and and covering some of the risk. Like yep. I think it's better to ca- cover some of the risk yep. in terms of carrying a small long-term care insurance policy. I think that's better than just writing it off as yep. that's expensive. Yep. You know, I, I well, maybe maybe make that policy a little bit smaller and care and cover yeah. a year or two of that risk, yeah. right? Really, of course, we know it could be longer than that, but it's better than not covering at all, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, you know, and or building it into your expenses earlier in life. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's nobody that really wants to do that, yeah. but or very few people anyway, but. I think the, the moral of the story is that that's a risk you have to think a whole lot about and, yeah. and earlier than most people start thinking about that uh, just because it's it's a biggie. It's just, it, it is depressing. And I would say that most people take the risk. Um, yep, yep. Well, we know that most people take the risk because and, a very small yeah. percentage of the population carries yeah. long-term yeah. care insurance. And we have, we have a number of clients who can afford this, who don't have $5 million. Yeah. And they think it's too expensive and won't buy it, sort yeah. of a thing. And and you know, if it's if if a married couple, if it's ten thousand dollars, well, if your home and your assets are worth five million, maybe that's pretty short money. I mean, you know, if your home and your assets are worth a hundred thousand, then that's scary. I mean, sort of a thing. So my, yeah. my point is, yeah, I I guess the the only 
positive thing I, I could say about this is you have to think long and hard about this and look into it. And the earlier you do that, the better off you are. That's I, all. I'm going to make a strong statement. Ready? Ooh. I Something like 90% of people that are of an age and circumstance where... I, I shouldn't say that. I, I want to say I saw some statistic not long ago where something like seven, I don't know, or maybe it was like five to seven percent of the population over age 50 or something had long-term care insurance. So okay. a very small yeah. percentage of people purchase long-term care insurance. Yep. So let's so I could say that differently. 90 to 95 percent of people uh, that are of an appropriate age to carry long-term care insurance don't. Yep. But I would bet you something like 95% of their kids wish at some point that they did. Yeah, yeah, sure, okay. R right? Be or 90 to 95% of a very high percentage of people that would stand to inherit money, whether it's from a house or from investments, um, wish that there was a long-term care insurance policy in place. And if they were it, on it, board by helping to pay for it, I'm good with that. Yes. No, I, no, I know, I know, I know. Yeah, well, yeah, Mom, get it, but have a, we have a number Fair of... Fair enough, We yes. have a number of, yes. of widows who are wonderful ladies who are skimping on their retirement because they're paying a big long-term care insurance oh. policy that they want to protect for their kids. I, I get that, but yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so if you are a kid and, and you're concerned yeah. about your parents, ask them about it. Maybe, may, you know, give them a kick, have a, some serious yeah. discussions. But if you're serious about it and they can't afford it and, and you have assets that, you know, both both of you probably want to inherit, hey, pony up some money. Yeah. You know, that, that's, hey, sim yeah. simple as that. Super, super way, small I, I percentage want, of families do that. I want to talk to you after <laughs> oh, the show. I'm, I have okay. to start paying your premium. <laughs> oh, fair point. Real fair world. Point. Real world stuff, folks. Okay. Uh, I didn't know this show was going to be so costly to me. Hey, there you go. <laughs> all right. Um, all right. Anything else on that? That was the the risk of living a long life part a yeah it is and that's just the financial part <laughs> never mind anything else yeah basically. but yeah it yeah it's just it's I, we don't even like to think about it but we have to deal with it folks. yeah so, honestly it's just yeah. the way it is you know all right how about the risk of living a long life part b <laughs> is that the financial the financial risk part b is that your mo most retirees rely on their portfolio to supplement their fixed income so that they can live their life, right? I'll buy that. Unlike our, our caller early in the, earlier in the show, Dick, his mother-in-law, she had 300 grand, she didn't need it. Yeah. Most people need at least some amount of money from their portfolio, right, to, yep. to add to their social security and, and or a pension income or whatever sources of income. So um, the risk of living a long life is that that portfolio needs to last longer. Like someone that lives to age 85 and someone that lives to 105, Ooh. right? Their money, <laughs> that person that lucky him or her lives to be 105, uh, you know, lucky uh, assuming life, good quality of life and all that stuff. Yep, yep, um, yep. But their, port, their money needs to last 20 years longer. So if that person that lives to be 100 or so retires around age 65, that's a 35 to 40 year time horizon yep. that your money needs to last versus someone who lives to, you know, a more statistically uh, statistical life expectancy of 80 or 85, right, 86, then their money doesn't need to last as long in that retirement time horizon. If only you knew. Right. So, you know, I guess I was thinking about this sort of in different ways in terms of trying to define the risk. Yeah. If you plan for living a very long life, let's say you, you longevity in your family and you're, I'm going to live to, I think I'm going to live to be a hundred. I easily could, right? If I, I don't mean me, but like, you know, people that have longevity in their family, then they're planning for that. And then they're, um, hopefully anyway, sort of calculating, maybe with the assistance of a financial professional, how much they can afford to take from their portfolio so that it's not drawn down too quickly and so that it lasts until age 100, right? So yep. that person that's planning for that long life is spending less at the beginning. And that might, might mean they're not doing things that they want to do. Yep. Well, they didn't, they couldn't afford that $10,000 
you know, Viking cruise or yeah. whatever it is, right? Yep. It's because yep. they're planning for that portfolio. So I kind of think that that's a risk. Yeah. Like yep. I'm not living the life potentially that I want to because I'm planning for that long life expectancy. Whereas if it doesn't happen, yeah, and that's that, unfortunate. That, that you is, know what I mean? That is a risk, yeah. Um, yep. And I guess I, I could flip that scenario around, right? And that person, someone that's planning to not live a very long life. Live let's say for today. Planning to live until 80, for example, yeah. 75 or 80. And and they're sp- and so then they're calculating, I can spend more now. And a lot of people, you know, rightfully so, sort of, no, of course, no judgment here, want to spend money while they're young and healthy and they can travel and yeah. all that stuff. And I well, totally well, get that. Yeah, yeah right. Right? Those people that are drawing down more quickly at, at a higher rate, they're running the risk of their assets not lasting if they do live a long yeah. life. So yep. you can yeah. really explain that risk in in a couple of different ways. Yeah, how, how do you look at it? I mean, you know that that's yeah. I mean, we do this for a living, but when we're cranking out a, a financial plan or looking at somebody's retirement scenario, if, if the things don't look good. One of the ways that that you can fix it is to make them less live less longer. But just, but you you don't know. But I know. You know, I know. If we yeah. we you know we we might run a <laughs> scenario where oh you've got an eighty five percent chance to live to age ninety, but it's a three percent chance to age hundred. I know. You know. Okay. So all right. So well, I guess sometimes just, they get a good I'll, laugh out of that. I'll, all right, yeah, I'm gonna we, die by yeah, age eighty five. Yeah, yeah, to right, to, to yeah. make it on time. But yeah, yeah you're right. We, if you only knew. But where, where do you draw that line? I, I mean, know. You know, you could. You're right. You could really cut into a lifestyle that maybe you could have had if you, you know, because you died earlier than you thought you were. We, and that, and that's that's why I call us certified financial planners, certified financial guessers. <laughs> you you, you got to yeah. know, and you don't sort of thing. So, but but it is a real risk, and people just have to come from that at different different places. Anyway, how, yeah. how, what, what do you do about that? I mean, I know yeah. I couldn't. I yeah. so under my bullet, yeah. how to mitigate risk? Yeah. There's no. There's no, no bullet that says yeah. how to do it. Yeah, yeah, I know. It, <laughs> it's, it's, you go with, you go with yeah, your gut. You yeah, go, yeah. yeah. I, I guess actually, I shouldn't say that. Um, you adjust, you can adjust this over time too. Like think about that for those people that are living life to the fullest and spending now because they're, they're younger yep. and healthier and they want, and they want to enjoy while yep. they can. And um, maybe they had, they knew someone who, you know, passed prematurely and all that stuff. And um, you know, the, that they can adjust over time what they're doing. Ho- and hopefully, and hopefully stop the slide. Right, right. Yeah, right. right. And generally when I'm working with clients that have this feeling of, I really want to spend more now and I'll cut yeah. back later. Yeah. We're sort of going into it planning for that. Like they'll yeah. say, yeah. I really want to do my traveling now. I want that, you know, I want to do the, whatever it is. And, and, and we're planning on, okay, and I think you could do this for this many years, and then we have to have conversations yeah. about maybe reducing yeah. or stopping. So it's we sort of go into it with that plan. But I would say that that's the mitigation right there, is that you adjust over time based on markets, based on inflation, based on all these other risks, yeah. right? And based on health and and family situations and and things like that. The uh, when people start thinking about this. You know, the, uh, one of the biggies is, well, do you want to leave something to your kids or not? Mm. Uh, and or are you prepared to spend your home mm. if, you, if you need to do that sort of a thing? So, you know, for, for uh, many people, okay, who, who may run out of money, if you have a home as a backup and you can in, do a reverse mm. mortgage, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. okay, so we, we do tons of plans. But the, the bottom line is that it's kind of nice to forget about the house and mae the kids will get it under the worst of circumstances mm-hmm. but but you know do you do you put the house in that pile that you can spend or not mm. and or do you want to leave some stuff for your kids or not okay or and or can you sort of a thing for that's just that's a real oh, I big, like that actually yeah yeah, yeah yeah that's a real big piece of how people think about that mm-hmm. and some people absolutely want to leave some stuff to the kids and some people want the last check to bounce yeah you know so we you know so it, that's a personal choice folks we, we, we don't we make no value judgments we just do the math but but your home when we try to do a plan for folks we try to ignore the asset at the value of the home unless we have to sort of yeah. a thing to, to use it and so you know a lot of people would say well I'd like to leave something to my kids and it's usually the home if you don't have a whole bunch of money well, yeah well but if you know if that's a backup and you need to spend it do you want you know well you, you do what you got to do I guess right we could sort of classify that yeah. under risk mitigation yeah. right like yeah. if we're planning for your traditional assets yeah. your investment yeah. assets to last a certain period of time 
well, we can mitigate that risk by kind of ignoring the equity in the house yeah. when we're making those plans yeah. and we can fall back on that as a little bit of an insurance policy later. Yeah. So yeah. I, 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 that's generally how I operate with my clients yeah. as well. Like yeah. let's kind of ignore the home. Again, a lot of people want to leave that, at least the equity in that to the kids. Um, and so we kind of ignore that anyway, but we, we always know it's there so, well, and there'll yeah. be some equity you, you in know, it. You may and, not be yeah. able to. There are some plans that we come up with, we have to figure out that you're going to spend some of the equity if you want to be okay sort of thing. But, that, yeah. you know, what what to do about the kids and the legacy, as they say officially in the business here, is, is basically, that's a that's a huge decision for a whole lot of people. You know, especially if you have a, a kid or two that isn't doing financially well, you, want, you know, you want to leave them something to be okay sort of a thing. So, you know, mm-hmm. where, do you, where do you trade off your life versus others and how that works, you know? It's just personal choices. Yeah. It's, it's personal choice. Yeah. And, and sometimes sad. Yeah. yeah. Um, I under the heading of risk mitigation for the risk of living a long life, I have to throw this one other one in there that there are ways. So the the risk there is running out of your assets, right? There are insurance products, tools. Yeah. We call them annuities. Some of these yeah. annuities where you can have the insurance have an insurance company guarantee that you're not going to run out of your money because they're going to send you a check a month every day every month for the rest of your life yep. so you can there are in the insurance world the world of annuities you can trade an asset for a guaranteed income for life like a pension like social security um and so you know we we would have to again in our annuities evil brilliance show we can talk about (laughs) the trade-offs there and the reasons that well that's one of the reasons that people do it but the reasons maybe not to do it in terms of well what what did you really get from the insurance company how if you didn't live that long what are the costs associated with that and all that stuff but does it keep up with inflation it's the insurance versus the investment argument isn't it right it's insurance, folks. It's not investment. <laughs> right, different right. math. There's, Way different. You're not going to get a good return yep. from that, likely. And yep. I, 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 I guess unless you live a very, very, very long life. But, um, but we'll we'll make sure to cover that when we when we talk about annuities the next time we do that show. But I had to toss that out there under the mitigation tools because yep. because it is. So again, for the people that that don't want to take that risk, and maybe also people that aren't comfortable with investment risk. Yep. That's that's a, a mitigation tool as well. Um. Oh, perfectly timed, time Tim. To mi- I was just thinking. Whoa. Time to yeah, mitigate yeah, yeah. ourselves out of this uh, show. Huh? <laughs> all right. All righty. You've been listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed, joined today by my father, Mike McNamara. We talked about risk today. What risks are you willing to take? Hopefully you think about some of these things a little bit differently now. Uh, you, thanks for listening, everybody. You can find out more about us at McNamaraFinancial.com. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.